welcome to the ADHD Book Club podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Corey. And we read a book. <laughs> and here we are. Can you believe it? The fourth book. We're on a freaking roll. And we're finishing them, right? You finished? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely finished. It's an easier read. Again, a little shorter. Six hours, 40 minutes on the Audible, 272 pages. Anyways, I guess we should tell you what we read if you don't remember what we picked last episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we read uh, Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. All right, shall we summarize? Is it my turn to go first? I don't know. Uh, Sure, yes. Yes, it's your turn. (laughs) Okay. Executive decision. Yes, it's your turn to go first. All right, so my summary of Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson Lillian is asked to take on a very unique job by her boarding school best friend, Madison, an heiress who married into high-powered politics. The job is to look after Madison's twin stepchildren who are now coming to live with them and who have the very unique ability to burst into flames. Boom. That's much more detailed than mine. My summary. A woman whose life isn't going the way she'd like is hired by a wealthy friend from her past to be a nanny for her twin stepkids who spontaneously catch fire. Great, to the point. And also, very important to mention that it is a best friend from her past. I tried to say that with boarding school best friend, but it's like they're not even really friends. Yeah, no, at the beginning of the book, they're definitely not friends. No. Shall we get into it? Spoiler? Yeah, let's start spoiling this thing. All right, spoiler. Before we spoil it, I think you should read this one. This one's fun. It is fun. It was lovely. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Right? It was nice. Just go read it. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy to listen to. It's fun. It's humorous. The little quips are very funny. I laughed. Yeah, I would definitely recommend listening or reading this one. Okay, now let's spoil it. But go read it. Spoiler. 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 What'd you think? I mean, we kind of just talked about it, but let's go. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's super charming. I think the performance is really great. Especially the kids. The kids are both very funny. Yes. Yeah, I really liked it. I was thinking about it this morning because I knew we were recording today. And I was like, what is there to talk about? And that's my only thing. It's sort of like a light, kind of charming, nothing of a book where I'm not nothing, but just in (laughs) like, there's just sort of like, what is there to talk about about this book? Yeah, my notes are pretty minimal. Yeah. Lillian gets hired by her friend Madison to take care of these kids, and she does, and she helps them not catch on fire anymore. And by friend Madison, as we were saying earlier, so they were friends in boarding school with two very, very different backgrounds, and they, you know, obviously stayed pen pals, because you've all read it, right? Uh Lillian's life sucks, so Madison's like, come do this weird-ass job. The whole situation is sad and continues to be sad that the parents just don't want these kids. Right. I was like, Lillian wants these kids from the beginning. Right. I really enjoyed the fact that the kids were not just assholes to Lillian the whole time. Like, it wasn't that normal, like, nanny trope where it's, like, hard to win the kids over and then they hate the nanny the whole time until the end. It was, like, a bad day and then the kids were now, like, intertwined with her. And I thought that was a really sweet take on this because I I just feel like usually it's the other way. It could have been a book about trying to win over fire children, but instead it was about a nice relationship that was building between the fire children and their nanny, governess, etc., Yeah, that's true. It wasn't like she spent the whole book trying to get them to like her, and then finally they did. Yeah. It was much more about 
them developing a relationship and kind of the fact that like no one else was willing to put up with these kids. Yeah. I mean, their own mother basically tried to kill them. That was really sad. That's true. Big, big spoiler. Their mom kills herself and also tells them that they should take a bunch of pills too, but they don't. Gosh, just that. Yeah, that was sad. And I guess that's why Lillian connects to them because she kind of felt like that a bit of an outcast, not in the same way, but a bit on her own. Right. Yeah. She gets the call from Madison. She agrees to take this crazy job because she has nothing else going on in her life. She meets Carl, who is like, like, who is Carl? He's the security guy. Because, yeah, cause, okay, because I guess her husband is, what, like, the governor of some state? Yeah. Or what? Like, what is he exactly? I don't remember. He's some... Senator? Like, or is that at the end? Yeah, he's like a senator or a, or a governor. No, at the end, he becomes secretary of state. Okay. But, I mean, Carl is basically, like, if her husband... What's her husband's name? Jasper? Yeah, stupid. Like, if Jasper was the president, Carl would be, like, the, you know, the secret service agent that you get to know over the course of the movie, right? Yeah. He's sort of, like, their their main security guy. Like, right-hand guy. They had hired him to do all the things, basically. Right. So then Carl picks up Lillian, and they go get the kids... And we see, we see how sad their life is with their grandparents. Who also don't want them. Yeah, who also don't want them. They're like sitting in the backyard in a swimming pool. Yeah, they're just wet all the time so that they can't catch things on fire. <laughs> like no one's trying to find solutions, you know? Everyone's just like, eh, water puts out fire. Yeah, their mom used to like throw them in the shower, right? When they would catch on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened? The kids are Roland and Bessie? Is that? Yeah. I'm... <laughs> You can tell I took great notes on this one where I'm like, and his name is question mark, Carl, Jasper, Roland, Bessie, Bessie Lillian, Madison. Madison. <laughs> they did hint a little bit at Lillian's feelings for Madison. Like there was just a different, a little bit of a different way. Like it took a little bit to be clear, but then I was like, is she in love with her? And it took so fucking long to ever get to that. Like literally, I think the last chapter that I was like, if they never talk about the fact that Lillian is in love with Madison, I'm going to be pissed. But for a split second, I was wondering, is Carl going to be something? Like, are they vibing? And I mean, this wasn't a fucking romance at all. But, you know, there were these like little hints of it. And I feel like we could have explored this like a touch better. But they did do a nice job with the Lillian and Madison relationship. I feel like that is ambiguous even through to the end of the book yes like they have that phone call where she's like i love you i love you too but that's a it's a very like up for interpretation they have a conversation like in person having tea or something when lillian does tell her that she's like loved her if i remember correctly yeah but it's still like it's very much said in like a an ambiguous way. There's sort of zero indication that Lillian is attracted to women and in love with Madison, right? Yeah. Like that there's anything beyond sort of like, we went through this thing together and we were we were friends in boarding school and we'll always be friends and I love you, right? Yeah. Because even in the beginning, when they meet in boarding school, she mentions a couple times that she thinks Madison is going to kiss her. Hmm. But I also didn't necessarily get a romantic or sexual vibe from that either like the thing I got mostly from that was that Madison was very much like in Lillian's space and like 
kind of overbearing. Yeah. I mean, Madison's a bit of a user, honestly. I think maybe this is her only real friend that's ever really seen her, but she's still using her and she's, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't know that I would say that they really are real friends by the end. I don't think so. Do they ever talk again? Like, do they just like get rid of the kids, give them to Lillian, like fuck off? (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. Mystery. Such a mystery. I did like the way the whole thing resolved at the end, though, or the way that like I liked I'm just I'm just going to say it. I liked that Timothy caught on fire. Uh, I loved that Timothy caught on fire. The third kid. That was the best part because I was sort of like, what is going to happen here? How is this going to because clearly they can't just like keep acting this way. Something has to happen. And then once it happened, I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. And it was like, you know, Jasper kept trying to make his ex-wife seem like the crazy one. And the one that's caused this, like, this is why they are fire children. And then turns out comes from his side. I also needed Jasper to catch on fire. Honestly, I thought we were going to get that. There was like some moment of panic. And I was like, is is it going to happen? Is Jasper going to finally catch on fire? Because it comes from dad. That would have been cool, yeah. But I did enjoy Timothy catching on fire. It felt like he was so happy to like fit in with his older siblings. You know, because he's a kid. He doesn't understand the difference here. So he's just probably felt left out on his own. Like he's young and just kind of like doesn't get to see them. So now he's like, I'm on fire. Yeah. Like he was happy about it. Right. I loved that. And then when they got home and when Lillian just let the kids burn in the yard. I just thought that was like really beautiful. Just like let them like feel their feelings, burn it out. And I wrote, uh, also the scene where she just lets the kids burn is really beautiful. Do I want fire kids? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They were so cute. They were cute. (laughs) I want fire kids. They were very funny too. Like I feel like they were really well written and really funny and really seemed like genuinely like the way they communicated with other people felt like kids who were neglected by other people. They had sort of the same like kind of questions and concerns and like related to people in that sort of way. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It was interesting. I liked it too. Again, the performance was really good. Yeah, there was a lot of funny writing, like, you know, the feral children, like when she's trying to guess what's wrong with the kids when Madison's like sitting her down, you know, and she's like, Oh God, did it, was it sexual abuse that led to a hollowed out shell? Is it missing limbs, horrific scars, sensitivity to sunlight, mouth with no teeth? Did they drown kittens in the bathtub? Do they play with knives? <laughs> no, nah, they catch on fire. But hearing her like internal monologue is very funny. She is funny. She's very like honest character. And yeah, I'm happy that she gets the kids. I think it's great for everyone. I'm sad that the parents gave up the kids. I'm kind of sad that her mom turned her in technically. Right. Yeah, I guess there isn't that much to like discuss and decipher here because it was just pretty straightforward. Um, It was lovely, funny, honest, and sweet. Just felt like a really nice win. You know, it was pretty to the point. Like this isn't a story about Madison and Lillian falling in love or anything. This is literally about... Lillian getting some kids in a really weird way and trying to find a way to work with them because they catch on fire. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely an extended like metaphor and comparison about parents and kids and parents who don't understand their children. Right. Yeah. Lillian's mom didn't understand her ambition to like go to the boarding school and make something of herself and was totally willing to help her or encourage her to like sell out and take the rap for Madison and so that they could get paid by Madison's parents. And then, you know, Roland and Bessie 
have this thing where they catch on fire and their dad doesn't understand them. Neither of their parents understand them and want them to be something other than what they are. Like there's, there's a whole thing there. And then, so of course, because Lillian knows what it's like to have a parent like that. She's the only person who also understands these kids. Um, One of the other quotes that I wrote down that I really thought was so beautiful was towards the end when Bessie is showing Lillian that she can hold her fire, right? Like she put, pulls it down her arm and into her hands and she's like holding the fire when she like is doing it on purpose. And, you know, Lillian is already in this like turmoil over loving the kids, but not being sure if she can do this. Like, can she take care of them? Does she want to, does she want this life? And, you know, this is a sweet moment. And it said, uh, Lillian said, it looks like what love must look like just barely there. So easy to extinguish. Yeah. That's, I just loved that. There was a lot of really good writing like that. And also just like little emotional moments like that. Yeah, you get like, you can definitely understand why the kids are how they are, why Lillian is how she is, and then what that means in their interactions and those emotional moments, I think. Yeah. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. I know. This might be a short episode. <laughs> This is where we are like, oh, time to come up with some new segments for the podcast when the book is charmingly pleasant and we have very little to say about it. It was, yeah, charmingly pleasant. I would recommend it. It's a nice read. It's a fun one. It's a little bit of a, you know, of a different story than we're used to. Uh, I love the like fire goop trying to help them all the ways that they like, you know, try to integrate this very bizarre thing into their world. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a wrap on the book. I mean, that's okay. That's true. That might be it. We're done. We're done with this book forever. All right. Well, what was your uh, rating out of seven? Would you rate it? I think out of seven, I would give this like a five. I think it's a five. Okay. That's what I gave it. Yeah. Like it's pleasantly charming. It's not like a life-changing story or read, but it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. And like you were saying, you want you kind of want her to end up with the kids by the end. And she does kind of everything that happens. You're like, yeah, OK, of course. Yeah, checks out. Timothy catching on fire. I probably like that the best because that was the biggest surprise in the whole book. Yeah. And not, you know, not that if I know what's going to happen, then this this book is stupid. It's not that. But it's just sort of, yeah, like it kind of goes from A to B. And you're like, yeah, OK, that's basically where I expected this to end up. I will say that it felt a little fast in some ways, like the (laughs) timeline. I was like, wait, it's only been two weeks or something. Like it would feel like the story they're telling has been like three months. Right. Like those first two weeks, the way they kind of like bonded so quickly, like the way the life was, the way that she already felt like she was there forever. And then it was like, no, it's just been like a week or two. And I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Without you saying it, I don't know that I could have told you what the time span of this book was. Yeah, it was supposed to be like with the kids for the summer, like three months, right? But then it would always be like, it's only been a couple weeks now. Right. Uh, The audible rating for Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson is 4.5 out of 5. And on Goodreads, it got a 4 out of 5. So pretty highly rated overall. But not everyone. Did you pull any quotes? Any reviews? Of course I did. It's time for bad reads. Hell yeah. Okay. Okay. So here we go. This is from Christine. WTF. My God, I need to start reading the book jacket or something before I begin a book. (laughs) If I had known this had a magical realism component, I wouldn't have even picked it up. 
Ugh, so weird and dumb. Sorry, folks, I tried looking for a deeper meaning or theme. Nope. Also, I kept seeing that some reviews said it was funny. Dark humor. I wish. Where was the humor? Bleh. Kids catching on fire on purpose or when angry or whenever. All caps. I can't handle this nonsense, people. Ridiculous. (laughs) We're only halfway through this thing. (laughs) What was all the commentary about Lillian wanting to make out with her roommate? What? Was I missing something? Was this some fantasy of author Mr. Wilson? Was she supposed to be a lesbian and I just missed the details here? Lastly, the writing was so basic and simple and tedious. Jeez, Carl, you scared the shit out of me, said Lillian. Over and over and over, this mindless, simplistic dialogue. Two Disney, Hallmark Channel, dorky, corny, after-school special, happy, predictable ending. Brutal. One star for being a super fast, easy read while I'm a teacher trying to navigate my way back to school and teaching online during coronavirus. I suppose I needed something brainless. Well, I got it. Thanks, Christine. Christine, like what is she into? Also, it was funny. I have another quote where like, you know, Lillian said, well, Timothy's not that bad. And Madison says, I've trained him, though. I kind of had to break him in. There's a lot of fun writing. That's so funny. I wonder what Christine is into reading Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Should we find out? Yeah, I kind of want to know. Show me a five star. She gave five stars to Of Mice and Men, which, I mean, sure, I guess. Okay, Slaughterhouse Five, sure. Yes, that's a five star book. Agreed. Fine. I mean, five stars for Angela's Ashes. I don't know. I mean, I know I've heard, obviously, of Mice and Men. It's been so long. I don't even remember. I don't even know any of these books. They're probably just depressing or intense. She wants more action, more emotions, more horror. I mean, she's definitely like five stars to a lot of classics, which I mean, sure, I guess. She's a teacher. Uh, Sounds like a fucking nerd. She's a fucking nerd. Also, she should have looked at anything. Like, the fucking title is Children on Fire. What did she think it was? Yeah, the fucking cover has a kid on fire on it. Like, come on, lady. What were the other reviews? Get it together, Christine. Oh, five stars for the great Gatsby. No thanks, Christine. You're fired. Okay, one more. Okay. No, actually, I have two two more. This is Hillary. Hillary. I'm going to try and read this how it's written. Because this has a whole bunch of stops with periods. This book was terrible seriously nothing to read here (laughs) how hard do you think she like patted herself on the back for when she came up with that so hard yeah oh my god nothing to see here is the first audiobook i've ever listened to on audible and the person reading the book might have annoyed me more than the novel's content which i think is crazy i really like the narrator on this oh my god yeah i'm gonna stop editorializing then again maybe not here are just a few things I found irksome. The swearing. <laughs> the constant use of fuck seemed unwarranted and gratuitous. The fact that a male author was writing from the female perspective. Some males have done this right. This author did not. The women in the book felt completely inauthentic. And how each and every character seemed to do things that were, well, completely out of character. You have a protagonist who is presented as a strong, extremely driven athlete who fights tooth and nail to be accepted into a prestigious boarding school, only for her to willingly take the fall for a situation created by a rich and entitled roommate. You find out much later in the novel why the main character might have been motivated to do what she did, but again, her motives were bizarre and just sprung onto the reader as to feel inauthentic. The kids who spontaneously burst into flames were just table legs or afterthoughts that were weakly glued on in an attempt to hold this wobbly, awful novel together. 
The entire story and the characters were, as the protagonist might say, fucking weird. I mean, they were okay. weird, but this, this person, person has like not didn't read, read the, book. the book. Yeah, are you kidding me? Uh, Lillian did not want to take the fall. Her mother got paid off to make her take the fall. It wasn't Lillian who wanted to do that. She didn't just like allow herself to like do that. Her mom did that to her. And she's a kid. What is she supposed to do? And then the kids are an afterthought. They're literally the whole point. They're the book. And they're so funny. They're so funny. They're just perfectly weird. Uh, Yeah, I pulled this out because I was like, this seems insane to me. I did see, as I was skimming for reviews, I saw multiple people um, make the complaint that it's a man writing from a woman's perspective and that they didn't think it was very well done and they didn't like it. I guess I have zero perspective on that. Like, I personally didn't feel that way, but also I'm not a woman and can't speak to it. Yeah, I didn't really think about that while listening to it. I mean, again, like, we're talking about how they never got into the relationship. That's kind of the thing is we never got into, like, too much deep depths of these characters. It was a lot about the action of caring for the children. It wasn't a lot about the characters themselves navigating a lot of situations so that you'd get a sense of them. I didn't feel like a man wrote this. Why? <laughs> I also saw this, I think when I, when I was kind of initially Googling it, that it was on some like LGBTQ plus list, but like, it was like maybe, but like not quite. So I was curious what that meant. And I can see that now that it was like almost, but not really. <laughs> right. And you know, maybe Kevin had some help writing the women. I mean, we don't know. I didn't hear from him on how he did this, but. And I thought all the characters were pretty well drawn. Like they're a little bit sketched out, but I never felt like, I mean, this thing about like they doing things completely out of character. I'm like, actually, I think all the characters hung together really well in this book. Yes, they were all fully in their character. Like, Madison's the same person she was in fucking boarding school. And Lillian took a huge fall that put her back at where she began. And yeah, she was super driven, but that's the kind of stuff that fucks you up as a kid. To me, in character, how she ended up in her life. Right, yeah. No one to care about her. And, you know, actually, I forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a really, with a lot of conviction there. Right? Fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, the swearing. A girl, that is Lillian in character. Also, I walk around swearing that much in my regular life. It happens, okay? Prude. (laughs) Whenever people complain about language in a book, I'm just sort of like, okay, I guess. I don't know. Don't listen to it in front of your children, I guess. Yeah. Grow up. Any others? I had one more. Okay, one more. Let's do it. This is Tanya. I started this novel knowing it was about combustible children. Okay, good. You're one up on Christine. Hoping that with all the rave reviews that I could put the fantasy element aside and enjoy it. There was a time I thought the fire may be a metaphor for anxiety, but nope. It was just a really, really stupid book. IMO. Okay. Like, yeah, that literally is what the fire was. It was a metaphor for anxiety and for the kids feeling out of control with their lives. That's exactly what it was. You almost, you almost got it. IMO. IMO, yeah. But like also, I thought I could put the fantasy element aside. Like why? Why why even bother with the book if you feel like, uh, maybe I'll be able to successfully ignore this thing that is <laughs> clearly pointed out. I don't know. People are wild. People are wild. At some point, I'm going to start writing Goodreads reviews of the books we do for our book club group on Goodreads. 
And I'm sure people are going to come and talk shit about what I write, too. So turnabout's fair play, I suppose. People are going to talk shit about our podcast. You know, I bet Hillary and Christine and Tanya are all going to come on here and be like, I hate you guys because you're magical and fantastical. It's true. Christine definitely is going to hate this podcast. I could be a dragon underneath this. You don't know. I was born in the year of the dragon, so I am. I catch fire. I catch fire. I'm an Aries. I'm telling you guys way too much right now. (laughs) People are going to steal your identity. Yeah. You know my passwords now. (laughs) All right. Well, then I guess this like, that's the book. That is the book. Yeah. And that's okay. I think it's okay. We both really liked it. It's just not like a like last episode. I'm thinking of ending things. There was so much to discuss because it's such a trip. You know, this was pretty straightforward um, and lovely and easy to listen to, easy to read, whatever. Yeah. No, no deep insights here today. Sorry. Sorry, um, that's that. Sorry. If you came to the ADHD Book Club podcast for insights, I have something to tell you. They're not here. We left them at the door today. I don't know what that means. Ignore that. (laughs) (laughs) No, keep it. Keep it in. Okay. I guess should we pick another book for next time? Yeah. Let's pick another book for next time. Uh, I forgot to do this part. I didn't have anything. (laughs) What about you? Someone in conversation brought up the book Filth by Irvine Welsh, which I feel like is going to be a real hard pivot from this. Um, The other thing you mentioned Stardust before by Neil Gaiman. We could circle back and do that. Oh, we could get into the magic and fantasy. Oh, yeah. Just really shove it to Christine, Hillary, and Tanya or whatever their names are. Yeah. Take that, Christine. This is also a fantastical book. I mean, I love the movie, and so I would happily read that. I think, yeah, we're going to go way further into fantasy on that note. But, I mean, I'm down. I've been wanting to do that. So what's filth about, out of curiosity, though? Oh, shit. I don't remember. Irvine Welsh is the same guy who wrote Train Spotting, and filth, I think, is about a corrupt cop, I think. Oh, hard pivot. Okay. Let's do a soft, gentle foray into fantasy from magical realism and try Stardust. Okay, let's do it. Stardust by Neil Gaiman, episode five. Episode five. Stardust is 256 pages, so another pretty easy read. Uh, Six hours and 23 minutes on an audiobook. All right. Cool. I'm excited. What else is going on? Yeah, how's your brain? Yeah, my brain's... You know, I don't know. I am thinking like, I don't think I have anything going on, but I also realize that every time I've like cleaned my apartment or start moving things around, I'm basically like disassembling it and then putting it back together. And I don't know why it feels like that every time I clean. And I'm like one person that lives alone. So I'm not sure what I'm doing. (laughs) Maybe I'm hyper fixated on like cleaning my apartment right now. Or like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, but I just feel like I'm always just putting it back together. I don't know what I've done. (laughs) And I'm still eating tinned fish, and I think I can't figure out what else to eat, so this is just where I'm at. Yeah, I've gotten stuck in those that place too before, where it's not even that I'm like, yeah, this is great. I still love eating this. It's just like, "Mm, I have not figured out what the next thing is. Yeah. This is still the thing, but only because 
I don't have to think about it. <laughs> yeah, like, and it still tastes good to me. So, and I don't know what else to do. You just keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's delicious, you know, but I'm also bored. I'm in a fucking middle right now, just in the middle, <laughs> middle brain. What about you? How's your cool brain? Um, It's fine. I'm in the middle of finals week and I spent forever staring at a statistics test this morning before realizing it was just like kind of not happening yet. And I have to do it later, probably right after this. Yeah. Yeah. I love that staring at things you got to do and just not doing it until the last minute. Favorite. It was also just I was looking at it and I was like, this seems like gibberish to me. I know I know how to do this. Why isn't this going into my mind? But it wasn't. So Wrong time. Do it later. Yep. Exactly. So that's where my cool brain is. I'm still playing Marvel Snap mm. when I'm taking breaks from anything. Very cool. Yeah. I'm doing good. Hell yeah. I don't know that it's cool. Oh. And also, as predicted, I've been playing much less Lightboxer now that I... <laughs> achieve the thing I set out to do. World domination? I guess I haven't gotten that far. I still just have my eighth place 100% score. So Okay, but that eighth place in the world is insane. I mean, I don't know how many people play, but that sounds like a lot, like a high score. Next time I play, I'm going to look and see like how many people are on the leaderboard just so we have an idea. Yeah, I need to know. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, shit. Is this just our shortest podcast ever? I think it is. It probably is. Shall we outro? Yeah, I think it's fine. I think this was a podcast. The ADHD Book Club podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Ashley. I'm Corey. Thank you to The Last Skeptic for music. And we out. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>